The, the lights are very bright. I know you're there. By faith, I'm assuming you're there. <laughs> okay. The other day I was at the bank and I picked up a little piece of paper. You know, Chinese fortune cookies that have little sayings in them? Well, this particular bank that um, handled Partners and Harvest Finances and I was there making a deposit had little slips and I picked one up and it really struck me, struck a chord in me and it says, out of extreme complexities come extreme simplicities. And it was said by Winston Churchill. And I thought that you and I live in life, and it's sometimes very complex. As we become more globally oriented, things are so complex. One part of the world does something or something happens, and we all get sucked in. And It's very complex. But out of extreme complexities can come extreme simplicities. And my husband's going to be speaking on that today, getting really simple. And sometimes extreme simplicities are not taken in. We brush them aside and go back to the complexities that sound more exciting or more uh, whatever. We we tend to live on a lot of adrenaline in a complex world. But God is calling us to um, some extreme simplicities. And I know that when Fred was going through his stroke not long ago, I was uh, sitting somewhere and I heard God say, Fred is a monument to my faithfulness. Now, I want you to know each one of you sitting there is also a monument to God's faithfulness. Think of the things we've all faced. And we're here. And most of us have had something to eat this morning. And we're planning on something to eat this afternoon. We're dressed adequately, except for my flip-flops. I can't believe I'm in front of you in flip-flops, but there you go. (laughs) My extreme complexity right now is we're moving, and at the last minute we threw everything into the truck. And I forgot my shoes, so there you are. Anyway, out of extreme complexities become extreme simplicities, which are extremely life-giving. And because of that, you and I sit here as monuments to his faithfulness. Well, it is really good to be here this morning. I want you to know that uh, the early part of this year, uh, I was surprised that I woke up each morning. <laughs> there are mornings in which I just kind of, I woke up and I opened my eyes and I thought, I'm still here. Wow. I'm not with Jesus. Got very close to uh, close to it at the end of last year on the 26th of December. And um, so, you know, you go into Christmas time and you expect Christmas time to be a uh, a great time of just being with family and just having a good time. And, and suddenly for me, it was just, whoa, I had no strength. And, and I was sick to my stomach and, and I could hardly walk and couldn't figure out what was going on. And, uh, and suddenly we found out that I had had a stroke. I ended up in a hospital. And I want you to know that for the first um, First week, in order to get to the restroom from my hospital bed, I had to get into a wheelchair. And um, 
you know, and then uh, I, I went to a rehab hospital and and they uh, uh, and the rehab doctor basically said, I'm taking your wheelchair away. And I'm thinking, oh, no, how am I going to get to the restroom? <laughs> and he said, I'm giving you this. And he gave me a cane. Right. Well, that forced me to take a step. And I found out through the next uh, few months that I, I just took one step after another. And um, finally, I took a step into walking without a cane and then st- took a step into jogging. I loved jogging before that. And then got on a bike and ru- rode in traffic in Myrtle Beach. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, this is, this is getting better. Yeah. And um, the Ontario Department of Transportation automatically takes driver's license away for everybody that has a stroke. And so, I don't know, for a man, not being able to drive is difficult. And it was really difficult. And I had to jump through a whole series of hoops. And uh, finally, uh, this last week, I got through the mail my driver's license. Right before we take off. Right before we take off on this extensive trip across the country. And uh, one of my wife's favorite things to do when she's, you know, in a vehicle is to go to sleep. Now, I want you to know that if she's driving, I don't rest because of the fact I'm afraid she's going to go to sleep. And lo and behold, here I get this, uh, get my driver's license back. And so I was, you probably could have heard the shout from here when I opened that envelope and saw that it was in there. I just went, yes! And so it was amazing. So it's been a very interesting year. But like Sharon mentioned, things have gotten very simple in this period of time. And the Lord has taken me back to some very, very simple things. And um, so anyway, I'd like to draw to your attention some things that I brought in the way of resources. Um, Several years ago, the Lord led my wife and I to write a book that just just came out a little over a year ago. It's called The World's Greatest Revivals. And it puts into context what God has been doing in Toronto for the last 15 years. In the context of what God has done throughout the history of the church in the last 600 years. And uh, I believe that what God has done in Toronto is, is one of the four greatest revivals that have hit the church. And so I talk about it in, in this book. And uh, I want you to know there are a lot of stories in the book, so it's easy reading, and um, it's, it's in many ways a lot of fun. And uh, we've gotten emails from people that have basically said it's one of the most encouraging books they've ever read in their life. So if you want to be encouraged, um, I encourage you to pick one up. And they're on the back table in the, in the fellowship area, and... Um, they're, they normally sell in Toronto for $15, and we have them on a special sale while we're on the road for $10. And so anyway, I'd encourage you to pick one up in the back. If you'd like us to sign it, we'd be very, very will, willing to sign it. Along with it, you'll find a DVD called um, Invasions of Glory. And it's basically this book in a quick overview. And I did it in Norway at a pastor's Pastors Conference with about 350 um, austere Norwegian Lutheran pastors. And, uh, you know, and so I'm up in front of them 
And suddenly, the Holy Spirit hits them and they break out in laughter. And so if you, could, if you could picture a bunch of about 350 Lutheran pastors laughing in the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've heard some people have put them on their television and, and the Holy Spirit hits them. And, um, and so I encourage you to pick them up. They're also $10. So I just want to draw that to your attention. How many of you have um, become aware of the fact that God speaks to us through dreams? Can I see your hands? How many of you think you've had a dream that has really been given to you by God that where he said something to you through the dream? Can I see your hands? Okay. Quite a few of you. Well, I want you to know, a short time ago I had a dream. And I've been having a lot of dreams since uh, since the stroke, I don't know if something happened to my brain, but suddenly I'm dreaming. And it's usually the dreams that you have right before you wake up in the morning are the ones that God gives you. You know how to tell if a dream is from God or if it's just bad pizza? You know it's from God if you can remember it very clearly, the details of it the next morning. And sometimes even two weeks later, it's a dream from God. And so in this dream, my wife and I uh, went to a retreat center, a Catholic retreat center, uh, center, and I think it was someplace in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, we didn't know anything about the center other than the fact it was a good place to go if you wanted to get away and just seek the Lord. And we got there and we found out it was a very interesting place. It was, um, it was hosted by a group of, of I would call, Jolly monks. And they, they were just this, you know, the typical brown clad with hoods. You know, they walk around and they were just jolly all the time, just fun. And I woke up the first morning that we were there and I heard shouts. And they were shouting, Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! You know, just all through this, this monastery. Thank you, Jesus! And I found out after a short period of time that they had a commission. And the commission that uh, was back of the whole reason they were running this place was what Paul writes in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So they took that seriously. And they just decided they were going to thank God in everything. You know, so it was a very interesting place. They'd, they'd wake up and walk out the door. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Thank you, Jesus, for, for the sunshine. Thank you, Jesus, for life. Thank you, Jesus, that I can see. Yeah. Everything was Thanksgiving. It was amazing. And Sharon and I just got really affected by it. And one of the things that I remember is that we, we ate our meals with them. And so you'd go into the dining room and, and the food would come in nice and hot. And, uh, and then they'd start thanking Jesus, and it turned cold. By the time they got through all of their Thanksgiving, it just was stone cold. And, uh, you know, I didn't complain. It's just, <laughs> it, was a, it was an amazing thing how long they could just go with Thanksgiving. And so I woke up. And one of the first things that I do when I wake up after, uh, 
after a dream like that is I turn to the father and I say, Father, what was that about? Yeah. And he said, well, Fred, I want you to know this is, how, this is where you started. You started with Thanksgiving. Uh. And suddenly I realized he's right. Thanksgiving was extremely important to me. And then through the years, I got concerned and, you know, things got more complicated, like Sharon said. And, and after a period of time, we just kind of got away from it. But I started thinking about what the Father had told me. And I want you to know, I got saved as a result of Thanksgiving. I grew up in a Baptist home. And, you know, one of the things in a Baptist church, the Baptist church that I grew up in, we heard the gospel every week. Yeah. And there was always the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And they would have people come forward. I can remember when I was probably between the age of about 8 and about 19, I went forward about 38 times. And I prayed the sinner, sinner's prayer about 38 times. Now, the interesting thing is, every time I prayed the sinner's prayer... Nothing happened. I experienced nothing. And so after a period of time, I, um, I started thinking that maybe I wasn't going to get saved. And then I heard about Calvinism. And that there was the elect. And if there's the elect of God, there has to be the unelect. And so I just assumed I was part of the unelect. And so in my later teen, teenage years, I decided I was going to live... With the, kind of like the unelect. Now, I didn't get into drugs and you know, a lot of bad stuff, but I just, I just partied and did things with the unelect. And um, then I got an invitation with our college group in, our, um, in, the, in the Baptist church that I went to uh, when I wanted to. And... Um, I got an invitation to go to a retreat in the mountains in Southern California, where I grew up. And at the retreat, they had, they had a speaker. And the interesting thing about this speaker is that he shared his testimony. And to be honest with you, it was exactly like mine. And he told me, he, he mentioned about the fact that he prayed the sinner's prayer again and again and again and again and again and again, and nothing happened. And then he just kind of came to a point in which he gave up. But then, he got gloriously saved. It transformed his life. And he says, I know there's some of you here that can identify with what, <laughs> with, with what I, I went through. And he said, if you'd like to talk to me after, please come and talk to me. And so, as soon as I was finished, or he was finished, I went just very quickly to him. And he took me into a back room and... And I shared my testimony. And he said, well, let's go through the sinner's prayer again. So I did. You know, I had memorized the sinner's prayer. Because <laughs> I could say it in my sleep. Because I had said it so many times. In fact, I had led people to the Lord using the sinner's prayer. And things happened for them, but it never happened for me. And so he led me through the sinner's prayer again. And he got to the end and he says, okay... Uh, you made, you forgot something. And I said, what? And he says, you forgot to say thank you. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, you know, the salvation is a gift of God, right? He says, didn't your parents teach you when you received something to say thank you? And I said, well, of course they did. 
The only problem is, I go through the sinner's prayer and nothing happens, so why should I say thank you? He said, well, that's faith. He says, faith means you basically say thank you before you get it. And so he took me through the sinner's prayer again. And he says, okay, now say thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. And I said, thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. And initially, nothing happened the first time. He says, say it again. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. I want you to know, by the time I got to the third time, thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life, something was really unleashed in my heart. And I couldn't stop saying thank you. And I was in this back room, and all my friends are out in the main room, and they're they're listening to me shout, Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life! (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. And I got saved as a result of understanding that faith, the key to faith, is thanksgiving. What does it say in Scripture? The just shall live by faith, right? And so I got saved. And now I'm, I'm waking up from this dream and the Father is saying, this is how you started off. And I suddenly realized we had gotten away from that. Now, I want to tell you a little bit more about our story. I met Sharon, and, and after a period of time, we got married, and, and the Lord led us to move to the country of Sweden. I didn't know what, it was, what was going to happen right at that period of time, but it was right at the beginning of the Jesus People movement, where there were, about, there were hundreds of thousands of young people during the 70s that met Jesus, gave their lives to the Lord, And and the Lord led us, while we were in Sweden, to start a Bible college. But before we got there, um, in fact, before we even left, kind of supernaturally, I would say, that we we came in contact with two books. One book was George Mueller of Bristol. And uh, we read the book. And the interesting thing about George Mueller of Bristol, England was that the Lord led him to start an orphanage for street kids from the city of of Bristol. And he started it by faith, which basically meant that he just opened his home and he took in about 30 kids and found places for them to sleep in his his house. And then pretty soon it was 300, and then it was 3,000. And he took care of thousands of children by faith. And so we're reading the book, and in this book, tell stories about the fact that they didn't have, sometimes they woke, woke up in the morning and there was no food. The kids would come down to the dining room and, and George Mueller would stand up and in front of them and say, okay, let's thank God for the food. And they're, they're looking around and there's no food on the table. There's no food on the serving table. And so the kids are saying, what food? And so there he is. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this food. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just then, as he's finishing the prayer, the doors to the kitchen would open, and miraculously, food was being delivered that they didn't have before. And God had woken up farmers and and people that had dairies and... They were led by the Lord to bring food to the orphanage so that the kids had food. 
And George Mueller came to understand, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, was really a key to the kingdom of God, to kingdom supply. And another man, about that period of time, the late 1800s, that heard George Mueller's story was Hudson Taylor of China. And we got a hold of his biography. And Hudson Taylor was led by the Lord to found a mission in China by faith. And they had a principle between them. And the principle was this. Never asking anybody for anything, but just going directly to the Lord. And they said the principle was moving men through God by prayer alone with thanksgiving. And Sharon and I, as we read this book, these two books together, got so excited about this that we said, why don't we try it? Let's do it. It would be wonderful to live miraculously. And so the Lord's leading us to Sweden, and suddenly we get a word from him. Okay, it's time to go. I want you to know from the Baptist background that I came from, missionaries went on deputation. They would travel around for two or three years raising money for their support. And we just said, we're going to trust God through Thanksgiving and step out. So when we left for Sweden... We had been given $1,000 by a couple we knew that had been led by God. And we bought tickets with the, uh, the $1,000. And another couple came along and said, the Lord spoke to us, and, and we're going to give you $25 a month. <laughs> now, Sweden's an expensive country. Yeah. And so we left by faith with $25 a month committed <laughs> that God was going to take care of us. Come on. I want you to know that when we got to Sweden and an envelope would come through to us that had anything in it, whether it was $5 or $25 or $100 or $300, we would go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we lived that way. One time uh, we, we had a car, a crummy old Volkswagen. I'm not saying all Volkswagens are crummy, but ours was crummy. And I couldn't get it started. In order to get it started, if it was rainy or snowy, I had to push it. And every morning, Sharon would get in the, in the driver's seat, and I would push it to the edge of a hill near our house. And it would start down the hill, and she would scoot over real quickly, and I'd jump in and pop the clutch, and there it was going. Then when we got to town where we were taking Swedish lessons, we'd, we'd have to find a place on a hill so we can get the car started at the end of the day. It's crazy. And so I looked at Sharon and I said, this, this has to stop. And I said, why don't we pray and just say, Lord, if you want us to have a new car that will work, and we couldn't seem to get the VW fixed, if you want us to have a new car that works, um, would you let us know? Well, I want you to know, the next month, we got enough money that came in supernaturally that we were able to buy a brand new Audi. Wow. Sweet. We, were, we were driving at that period of time on the Autobahns in Germany, going teaching at other Bible colleges. And so here we are with this incredible car. Now, what was our attitude? Oh, God, thank you. You've let us know. And here we're driving this Audi. 
And so here I wake up from the dream, and the father said, remember where you started? Remember where you started? Can you remember that there's probably things that were really precious to you in the early days of your walk with the Lord? And they've somehow been put on a a back shelf someplace. How many can identify with that? Just things slipped. Well, that's what happened with Thanksgiving with us. And here God is saying, now I want you to rediscover Thanksgiving and just begin living by Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so we started thanking the Lord again. And then I thought, well, maybe it, maybe it would be a good idea if I looked to see what it says in Scripture. And as I mentioned, I found out that uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, just rediscovered that, came in the dream. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We want to know what God's will for our lives is. You know what God's will for your life is? In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I believe that there is something that is unleashed in us of the kingdom of God through thanksgiving. And it has to do with God's will. We walk. Thank you, Jesus. 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 And you know what happens when we live by thanksgiving? It causes us to live in a dependence upon the Father that's deeper than anything that we know. Because what we're doing is we're thanking Him because He is our supplier. He's our supplier of finances. He's our supplier of food. He's our supplier of health. And, you know, when, when I started recovering from my stroke... As Sharon mentioned, things got really simple. And I just started saying, oh, God, thank you, thank you. I've got another day. Another day, thank you. I can open my eyes and and, and look around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thanksgiving is a very, very simple thing. And so that's one of the things that I noticed. Now, as as I looked in other places in Scripture, one of the things that I found is that Jesus lived by Thanksgiving. I don't know if you're aware of this. But remember the story where, like George Mueller of Bristol, he's in a situation in which he's got 5,000 hungry people. And they've listened to his ministry, his message. And uh, Jesus looks around and he says, they're hungry. Disciples, feed them. And the disciples say, Jesus, we've checked around And there's no food except for this little boy's got a lunch with five little loaves and two fishes. And so Jesus says, bring them to me. Well, you know what he did? He took them in his hand, and the first thing that he did was said, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Is this enough food for 5,000? No, it's enough food for one little boy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And he hands the food out to the disciples, and they pass it out to 5,000 people. Happens in the context of thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There is something supernatural 
of the kingdom of God that is unleashed in us and through us as we just get simple and live by thanksgiving. It's another time in which um, Jesus arrives in Bethany and Mary and Martha immediately come running to him and said, Jesus, don't you understand that our brother Lazarus has died? Why didn't you come? You knew that, you know, you, you know everything. Why didn't you come? And so they're on his case now. And so he said, take me to the tomb. He gets to the door of the tomb. The first thing that he says is, remove the stone. And I would imagine everybody, in fact, it says this in scripture. They they say, it's been four days that he's been in there. and This is a hot, hot climate. Don't you understand? He stinks. His body stinks. You know what Jesus did? Right at that point, he raised his face to, to the Father. Sorry. And he says, thank you, Father, that you always hear me. Thank you, Father. Soon as the words of thanksgiving get out of his mouth, he turns to the, t- to the tomb, the open door of the tomb, and he shouts, Lazarus, come forth. And what happens? He steps out and he says, loose him. But what is the context? It's, thank you, Father, that you always hear me. Powerful things happen in the context of thanksgiving. Jesus knew the power of thanksgiving. You know, one of the things... We found that when we were in Sweden, is that we had students that were coming from all over the world except for the country of Sweden. And the Lord led us to Sweden. And so we had a missionary that came along, and and she was with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And she came and shared with our staff. And she said, um, you know, I... uh, uh, I've learned something, a very interesting lesson. That is, we wanted, we wanted to have Swedes come to our training school for translators in England. We wanted them to come from Sweden. And she just talked to us about how they prayed. They prayed the Swedes in. And so everything in me is saying, you know, we wanted Swedes, but we weren't getting them. And so I took the challenge with our staff. We started saying, thank you, Father. And we set a goal. We want two. And then we had two that came in. Thank you, Jesus. And then the next year it was ten. And we got ten. And then it went to fifteen. And then twenty. And finally we ended up with twenty-eight Swedes. So they were more than half or more than a quarter of the number that we had in the school. And, And it came just in the context of praying with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And they just kept coming in, so we started making an impact in Sweden, the country that the Lord had led us to. God really is, is honored yes. when we thank him. Yes. And as I mentioned, it, it really is an indication of thanksgiving, or of dependence. Because yes. we just say, oh God, we can't get them in, but you can, thank you. Thank you for the way that you're going to be bringing them in. Yes. And... Um, 
And, and that's, that's what our experience was. Jesus lived that way. Now, in, in the book of Psalms, in um, chapter 69, verse 30 and 31, David says a very interesting thing in this psalm. He says, I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will magnify him in thanksgiving. You know what we do when we thank God? We magnify him. We exalt him. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And it will please the Lord. Thanksgiving pleases the Lord. And thanksgiving magnifies him, makes him bigger in our hearts and lives. Now, I know that some of us have a hard time thanking. We have a hard time thanking God. We have a hard time thanking each other. And one of the things I discovered in Ephesians chapter 5 is that thanksgiving is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So song in the heart is a manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. That's right. But the second thing he says is, in everything or for everything, give thanks. Right. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, thanksgiving gets easy. Yes. It just flows through us. So if you struggle with thanksgiving, I encourage you to just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Now I believe that one of the things that the Lord is asking right now the church to do is to really become a community of thanksgiving. Now what, what do I mean by that? I think God not only wants us to thank Him in everything, but I think He wants us to thank each other. For the things, the places that you exercise in our lives. For the blessing that you are to us. And um, I've tried to do that, just in a practical way. You know, I go into a restaurant and I sit down. And I have, I'm served by a server that brings the food. And one of the things I try to make a real point of doing is to say, Thank you. Thank you for your service. It was great. Thank you. You know what the server does? Really? It was that great that I also try to give her or him a tip that reflects my thankfulness. So it's not just words. But we've done that in the bank for a teller that uh, takes care of us. We've done that wherever we're being served. Do that at church. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron. That was a good message. I can tell you really worked on that one this week. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Uh, we, could, we could tell that you were really praying when you, when you got those songs. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this church. This is such a precious place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want you to know... That thanksgiving is a key that unlocks the flow of the kingdom of God like nothing else. And I just want to encourage you to become even more. Maybe you've already figured this out. 
But maybe it's kind of gotten set on the back burner for a little while. To just cause this place to become even more a community of thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. We honor each other by thanking each other. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is something that's unleashed in that context. And so, you know, that's our story. And we found that in the context of Thanksgiving, that God is honored, the community of the church is blessed and encouraged, and uh, things just get really good. And Thanksgiving flows through the fruit as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? Very good. Very good. Let's all stand. Wow. What I'd like us to do is just uh, close our eyes and, and open our hands. Wow. And just invite the Holy Spirit to fill us. You know, one of the things that I found about the Holy Spirit in the last few months is that he's the filler. He loves filling us. We don't have to work him up. We don't have to say, come Holy Spirit. Ooh. All that we have to do is say, is turn our thoughts, our hearts toward the Holy Spirit. And we honor him in doing that. And he fills us. And just let him fill you. Let him fill you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just let him fill you. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Thank you. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now just let thanksgiving toward him flow. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for my salvation. Now, there may be someone here, like me, that has prayed the sinner's prayer again and again and again and again. But you realize that you've never had a vital experience of salvation. You just kind of walked through the motions and nothing happened. And when I was sharing my testimony, you said, well, that sounds like me. I just encourage you right now to go through the sinner's prayer. And just pray this. Lord Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Savior. I need you to come into my life. I need you to make me new. I need you to save me from my sins. Oh, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It was that simple for me. 
And it transformed me. Set me on a whole new course. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey! In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you, Fred and Sharon, for being here with us. It's been an honor. It's been great. Also want to thank all of the guests all of the guests for being here. If you haven't been here with us before, uh, we hope you feel welcome. We do have a uh, connection card. All right, and you can take this, sign your name on it, and you can take it to the back in the middle of the sanctuary to the connection counter.